Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are, that are in Christ. And so in verse 26, because of that, because that we're in Christ, the Holy Spirit also, in verse 26, helps our infirmities. For a lot of the times we don't know even how we should pray or even how that it would be acceptable. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself, makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And because of that, we know that all things work together for the good to them that are loved of God, to them who are thee called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He foreknew us in Christ. He also did predestinate conformed us, conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among so many others that would be found in him. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he, he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Well, what can we say to all these things? Since God for us, who against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? Because God is such a, a giver. Who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who can bring a charge against those that are God's when it is God himself that justified them, that cleared them of all guilt? Who is he that condemns. It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Well then, who could separate us from that kind of love in Christ, that love of Christ? Can tribulation, can distress, can persecution, can famine, or nakedness, or peril, or danger, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And here's these verses that I really wanted to get to this morning. No, in all these things, notice, in all these things, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And what a truth that is this morning. And what I want us, uh, what the Holy Spirit would have us to understand this morning in a very beautiful experiential, intimate way is just how much we are more than conquerors in anything pertaining to this life because of him who loves us, Jesus Christ, who has conquered it all. And he's done it by faith. 
no matter what our feelings are, no matter what the trouble is that goes on in this life, Christ has already conquered it. So here we are as these weak, frail human beings, and that's who we are. That's why, again, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that we, all those that are in Christ, we have this treasure, the treasure that Christ is, his person, and what he has accomplished on our behalf. We have it in these fragile clay jars, very weak, very fragile. And the reason is, is that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And we have the conquering, overwhelming power of Christ in these fragile clay jars. And that's a reality. And that's a truth. We all, because of our weakness, and because we're in this wilderness world system, on our way to the promised land to be with Christ where he is in John 14, verse 3, but right now, each one of us have all these exigencies. What's an exigency? Well, this is what an exigency is. It's a need. It's a demand. It is a requirement intrinsic to a circumstance or a condition. It is a case or a situation which demands prompt action or remedy. It is an emergency. It is something that has to be done. And it can, can't be done in us because when it's nothing that we can do about it as weak, frail, fragile clay jars that we are, but we turn from that fragile clay jar and we look to him who has all power in Matthew 28, verse 19. He has all power in Revelations 19, verse 6. And he, Christ in us, has given us not the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1, 7, but of power and love and a well-disciplined mind knowing how to think according to the power of Christ that's in us in every circumstance or situation. Who is it? It is, one, it is you and I. We have been captured. We have been captivated by the love of Christ who has, has dealt with and conquered every single foe. We are those who in our weakness who were once held captive by fear, but now we are held captive by the most powerful love. And now Christ, the powerful love that he has always experienced in the eternal embrace of his Father, has now captured us with that eternal embrace of love that nothing in time can ever separate us from that eternal embrace. Even death, even death, in Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. 
Because death to the believer means in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8, we're absent from the body and instantly present with the Lord. Death for the believer means instant, sweet, sweet release into an unending eternal love, an unending, uninterrupted fellowship of intimacy with his love. We are as Zechariah 9, verse 12 says, we are prisoners of hope. We have been captured by his love that's conquered everything. We are more than conquerors. Through him, through him, and in him, and by him, and because of him, that loves us. He loved us at one point in all eternity, but he wants us to experience it. He wants that to be our continuous experience of a love that's so victorious. Now, in Romans 8, verse 37, there are a few Greek words, and I want to bring them up. The Greek word for conquer, or conqueror, one of them is nikeo. That's N-I-K-O. That word means to conquer or overcome. And then we have the Greek word nike, N-I-K-E, which means victory. The other Greek word for victory is nikos, N-I-K-O-S. And that word means victory. But here is a word that the Holy Spirit gave to Paul, and it is a compound Greek word, and it's hypernikeo. It's H-Y-P-E-R-N-I-K-A-O. And this word means to be more than a conqueror. Now this word here, even outside in the Greek language, even outside the New Testament, this, these, this word group literally means victory. It means supremacy. It means success. But in this instance, it is assumed that the success is palpable and achieved by an action. It's palpable and achieved by an action. But the two questions that remain, and the two questions that remain are, number one, whether the human eye or the human understanding or perception can distinguish True victory from false. And the second thing is, is whether mortals, weak, frail individuals, outside of Christ can ever really achieve true victory. Well, in answer to the first question, it is argued that true victory may be hidden. While in answer to the second the mystery religions, and there are mystery religions, hold out the promise of ultimate victory. What are these mystery religions? What are those mystery religions? Well, they're very interesting to understand. They're very, very interesting when we speak about them and when we understand them. They're very interesting in terms of what they promise. And what they say, well, anything outside of Christ, outside of him, 
who created all things, and they were created by him and for him, anything outside of Jesus Christ in this world system, which Satan is the God of this world, in John 12, verse 31, in John 14, verse 30, He's the God of this world in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. He's the prince and power of the air the around the earth's atmosphere in Ephesians 2, verse 2. And he promotes his religion. His religion is one called humanism. Whether it's religious or non-religious, the whole point is to deify humanity and humanize God, which is truthfully, it's the delusion of self-security. And Satan, even for the believer, is always trying to get us to look to the vessel to try and do something to make self-secure. And really all it is when we enter into that is partaking of the satanic delusion. What is the satanic delusion? that the created can do without its creator. That the, anything created can do without the one who created it. So the atheist who affects to deny the existence of God, there's the atheist. There's the unbeliever who denies God's revelation. He denies the revelation of the word which is his son, Jesus Christ. Then we have the skeptic and the rationalist who disbelieves everything. And then you have the superstitious devotee with his prayers, his fasting, his ordinances, his ceremonies, trying to earn his place in heaven with a weary round, one man said, with a weary round, round of religious observances that actually unfit him for the proper functioning and responsibilities of even domestic and social life. Well, every imaginable shade of religious opinion, no matter what it is, come from men without a spark of divine life in their souls. And it leaves them contending for a powerless form of a traditionary religion. To all these various classes and castes, grades, shades, and conditions of men who occupy the platform of the natural, and that's what Satan is always, he has the world system deceived in Revelations 12.9 on the platform of the natural, fallen, ruined life outside of Christ. But he even tries it with the believer to get them on the platform of the natural, the fallen and the ruined. Well, there's not even so much on the natural platform. The natural thinking, doubt, fear, worry, especially in the believer, there's not even so much as a single link between them and Christ in heaven because there's no link with the man who sits at the right hand of God to the unbeliever. And there's not an experiential link of this unbelievable conqueror that's ours in us through doubt 
and through worry in our experience. And in reality, there is no separation and there is no anything in between us and him. And so they are all, those on the natural platform, they're all unconverted. Every single one of them are unconverted, every single one, and without Christ. And, sa- and that's where Satan has them deceived. But then he comes in to us that are the brethren of Christ, those that are one with him. And in Revelations 12:10, he seeks to accuse. He wants to deceive us through deception and denial of who Christ is in us. So then he can accuse us and cause us to doubt and cause us to live in fear and, and to keep to create a separation, at least experientially in our own thinking, that we're somehow separated or God has separated himself from us. And so, no matter what it is, for, for unbelievers or believers, the reality is Jesus Christ, who is more than a conqueror. And as for us and him, he's made us more than a conqueror. But all of those that are outside of Christ, no matter what their standing is, no matter how moral, no matter how social, no matter how religious they stand, they all stand on one common ground. They are far from God. They are out of Christ. They are in their sins. They are in the flesh. And they are of the world. And they are on their way to hell. Thank God that's not our place. Now, just to give you some of the isms in humanism, and they all can be wrapped up in this. The Grecian says, and we've mentioned these before, but the Grecian says, the Greeks, man, know yourself. That's what Satan tries to get. He wants us to get to know ourselves, but outside of Christ. The Roman says, man, rule yourself. Satan is always trying to get the believer in Christ to operate outside of Christ and try to rule himself. The Chinese says, man, improve yourself. See, again, outside of thinking and who we are in Christ is more than conquerors. We try to improve ourselves. The Buddhist says, man, annihilate yourself. Of course, in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But of course, Christ came that we might have life and more abundant because we're much more than conquerors in him. Man, annihilate yourself. The Brahmin or the Brahma says, man, merge yourself into the sum of all things. The Muslim says, man, submit yourself. But Christ says, without me, You can do nothing in John 15, verse 5. And in him, in Christ, yes, I can do all things through Christ who makes me mighty, who brings into my position when I am in him more than a conqueror. And he brings that into my experience that I am more than a conqueror through the unbelievable power of his work and his life and his love for us in Philippians 4, verse 13. But the truth of the matter is, is this, that we are more than 
conquerors. When the enemy comes in to try and trouble us, to try and stir us up and agitate us and trouble us, we said that recently, he tries through lies and through projections, he tries to get us like boiling water on the inside, to agitate and to trouble us. That's what he tries to do. But the beauty of it is this, and there's a beauty about it, that we are in Christ positionally more than conquerors. And now God, the Holy Spirit, is working in and through us, in our experience, in our condition, truthfully who we are in our position in Christ. And when we experience that, the trouble doesn't stay. The trouble is gone because we know that we may have needs and those needs may cause demands or requirements that are not that we are not able to meet in ourselves but we certainly have him as power in us who's more than a conqueror and who loves us intimately and so we have this word we have this beautiful word hypernikeo and hypernikeo means this for the believer that we are, and the other Greek word is hooper, and it's like the word hyper, but it's only H-U-P-E-R. And hooper means over, above, beyond, across, superior to, more than, the very chiefest, exceedingly, abundantly, and very high. And that means Christ in us, who is more than a conqueror, with us in him. He has brought us over everything. He's brought us above everything. Everything in him is more than a conqueror. Is be, he's beyond all of that in us and him. And he's gone across every single difficulty, every single thing, and proven himself to be superior to, and more than, and the very chief. And he's shown himself continually, the truth of who he is as being exceedingly, abundantly, and very highly above everything. And then we have that word hupernikeo, and it means to vanquish beyond, to gain a decisive victory, to gain a surpassing victory. We are hyper-conquerors. We are preeminently victorious in him. So, And God has a way, and his only way of settling everything is according to his way in Christ. And in Christ, he so loves us in his Son. And he gives us a love. And he even gives us the love to love him back with. And then we can fellowship. We have this love that's more than a conqueror in Christ. And that love comes right in the midst of the trouble and intercepts us and brings us right back into an intimate communion with a love and a power that's conquered everything. And even his love chastens us. And even, it, even that love is so lovingly chastening us and bringing us back to him who's more than a conqueror. He's bringing us back. He's taking us out of self. He's he's not making self the issue. When we're in Christ, self is not the issue. We're not trying to perform. We don't enter into humanism like unbelievers through worry and doubt and fear. And, And so 
he takes, he's taken us out of self and he wants to continue through the power of his love to take us out of the experience of self, to take us out of making self the issue, to take us out of making others the issue. Think of how many. The father won, we said recently, through the prodigal by winning him back. How many did God the Father win back to himself through the prodigal? How many does God want to give us the privilege to win back through winning us to win others to himself? Well, listen, we said too recently his love, the power of his love that's conquered all is a shield against guilt. It's a shield against condemnation. It is a shield against the lie of self. It is a shield against satanic delusion to, to, for us to believe the lie that we as the created can do without our loving, powerful, intimate creator. We can't do it. And furthermore, he wants to bring us to the place where we know we can't and furthermore, we won't do without him. So as we close this this morning, we are hyper Nikaios. We want God wants us to think that constantly, to think it all day long. When the lie comes in, the fear comes in, the the superstition, uh, making self suspect, making others suspect, uh, the worry. All of this, when these things come in, we make our confession, we're more than conquerors. We are the hyper Nikeo because in every test, and God has tests in our life, not to punish us, the punishment has been dealt with. So whatever's happening to you and I, he's not punishing us. He is revealing the power of his love that's conquered everything and showing us experientially in every test we win the supreme victory because we are more than conquerors. And it's because it is through him and nothing of self. And it's his love that loved us in the past. And that's brought out in Romans 5, 6 through 10. That when, when we didn't even know it, we were more than conquerors in him, in his incredible love. And now he is loving us and desires us to continually experience his love that is so for us, a love that has been perfected with us. It's been perfected for us. It's, it was completed. We were completed in his mind. And his mind, that in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. I will never change how much I love you in my son. Never, 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 ever. And in Numbers 23, verse 19 to 21, God is not a man that he should lie or ever change his mind. Has he not said it in Christ? And has he not done it in Christ? Has he not spoken it in Christ? And will he not bring it? to pass in Christ in us and us in him through every single thing that we can face. God has commanded a blessing in Christ. He'll never change it. All, we, all that can be left to say is, oh, what has he wrought? A great work in Christ and us in him and him in us. What a great work. 
that he has accomplished. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 14, whatsoever God does, he does forever. And in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday and eternity past, today and eternity present, and forever and eternity Forever, ever future, he loves us, will never forsake us, has a phenomenal, beautiful plan for us. And even when we are unfaithful and deny him, he cannot deny himself in us. In 2 Timothy 2, 13, God the Father cannot deny the Son. And God the Holy Spirit cannot deny either the Father and Son, seeing as he proceeds from them, and he is one with them. And no sooner can God the Father deny the Son, or the Holy Spirit deny the Son, or deny either, can they deny who we are, and who he's made us to be in his Son. We are more than conquerors. And here in Romans 8, verse 31, since God for us, who can be against us? And the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is here asserting the presence of Christ through all the Christian's life of an eternal, unchanging, victorious purpose of love that even these trials that are mentioned in Romans 8, 35 to 39, not only do they not cut us off from Christ's love, but the purpose of them is this, that they actually give us a more intimate and thrilling experience of the conquering victory and the power of his love. We are more than conquerors in him. So, Father, we thank you for this truth today. In Jesus' name, amen.